Hi everyone, today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by the powerful voices behind Solstice Casting, Kami and Jazzy. I am so excited for you all to hear this episode. It is so powerful. These ladies, I am blown away by their heart, their compassion, their passion for change, the work that they are putting in, the community that they are building, not only in their office, but as well as the projects that they join, they are truly been making shifts in this industry. And I am so honored to have them join us on the show. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know that creative community and community in general is something that is so, so valuable to me. And I think that is something that is essential to continue to work and thrive and love what we do in the creative arts. And we are in for a treat today. Without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for being on What's My Frame and making the time to chat. Of course. Thanks for having us. Of course. So could you please start us off with what drew you to the industry, to casting specifically, and how that you founded your own casting office, the only fully female-led casting office in the United States? We love that. Go ahead, Jesse. Go for it. Alrighty, so um, for me, I always wanted to do something with TV or movies. Um, I was always the kid behind the camera. Um, So I was the one filming my friends. I was making YouTube videos. I was creating short films. I went to uh, Quinnipiac University for film, which is funny because Quinnipiac is actually more known for their health science. Um, But I went for film. Uh, My sister went there and it was a a beautiful school. And, uh, you know, I ended up having such an enjoyable time there. So even though it's not really a film school, it was. Um, So I went there and then graduated and just kind of was like, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know I want to do something with TV. So when I moved out to LA, um, I ended up doing some commercial work and I was working on set as a PA. And then I realized I really dislike being on set for 12 hours how do I still do tv but not be there um and then I started applying for office positions so I first applied for an office PA job didn't end up getting it then I applied for another one and during the interview they were like hey would you be interested in working in casting and I was like sure I need a job I'll take the casting job um so I ended up um you know landing my first job on let's ask America which was a kind of ahead of its time at the time because it was a game show all through Skype um so weird right like before it was required look at that before it was required um and it was a blast I had such a good time and then I realized I want to do this for the rest of my life so how do I continue doing that um, so I ended up working on shows like America's Got Talent. I worked on Bachelor and Bachelorette. I worked on Love Island. I was able to work on a lot of shows that I was a huge fan of. Um, so I was like, oh my God, this is like a dream come true. I'm going to continue doing this. Um, and then when it came to uh, Solstice, um, it was me and Kami were just kind of like, um, constantly getting called for the same jobs and we're like how do we find a way to just work together and you know they can get two for the price of one basically (laughs) and we also are so such big components of trying to change the industry um from the inside out whether it be just like hiring people of color um or hiring people that are just normally not given those opportunities to casting those types of people that are normally not on screen that would love to see themselves on screen um so that's kind of my little side tidbit of how solstice started but obviously Kami jump in <laughs> As yeah, I mean, the mic yes <laughs> um you know I'll make mine real brief I went to culinary school on the East Coast, worked in the industry. Uh, creative things have always been my thing. Uh, my mom was a professional singer growing up, The Lion King, Broadway tour, all that kind of fun stuff, backup from Michael McDonald, Tina Marie, yada, yada. Um, and my sister, uh, she's more of like the techie developer type. So a lot of creative stuff happening in my home. Um, left, left the culinary industry, went back to school, wanted to be a lawyer, got talked out of that start working on CBS um, on the lot and then bouncing between um, let's make a deal with Wayne Brady, the phenomenal, professional, personable, wonderful Wayne Brady. 
because I worked on Survivor, uh, Love Island with Jazzy, um, a lot of work with OWN Network. Um, but yeah, I mean, MTV was always my influence. So working with Buna Murray directly with these OWN Project Oprah's Network um, was always kind of a dream of mine. So for that to see it pan out was amazing. Um, but yeah, so with, with our company, you know, like she said, we were getting calls for the same jobs and we're going back and forth. And funny enough, I was over the industry. I think I was just burnt out truly. Um, and then I was like, you know what, let's give this a go before I leave. Um, and then it, look how it panned out. So we're super excited about that. Um, but you know, representation matters. I think we're seeing that when everything that is on social media and, and just media in general, even down to the little mermaid movie that we're kind of hearing a lot about, um, where it's just about the inspiration of people of all shapes, sizes, creeds, colors of seeing themselves in something else that's bigger than them, um, be it to inspire them or to show them that, you know, it's not easy, but you can get there, you know, it just kind of keep them pushing along. So that's why we're here. And we know that even though we are a duo black female owned casting company, that we are still not the end all be all. We like to hire other people, be it, you know, ones from Asian countries, Vietnam or Thailand or Mexico or, you know, Russia, all over the world where it's like, you know, these people need to be in these seats of power speaking on their culture. There just needs to be more people involved that are POCs. So yes, that's my little gist. Well, one, I left anyone was discouraged from law and been like, no, don't do that. <laughs> Come to the arts. <laughs> it's usually the opposite, right? They're like, don't you dare. Don't you dare do like, art. No, to law get an actual job. You know, know who raised me. Your student loans. <laughs> you can tell exactly who raised me. They were like, mm, that's stupid. Don't do that. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do something else then. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to have you all on the show was to share your powerful voices with our creative community here at What's My Frame. And Jazzy, you wrote an open letter to ABC calling for action and change in regards to diversity and inclusion. And from both of you working there, I'm curious as to what inspired you to write that, because with any change, there comes applause, but also pushback. Uh, and you never really know once until it's out there what you're going to get. So I'm just curious what what uh, inspired that? Yeah, when I worked on The Bachelor and Bachelorette, I would say it was a pretty amazing experience overall. Like I was able to work on one of the top dating shows. Um, but with that also came, I was the only black casting professional in that office. Um, and with that, it was tough navigating that you know, circle. Everyone would say things, well, not everyone, a lot of people would say things that um, had a little bit of a bias against me. Um, they would say things that were a little bit racist. And, you know, there comes a time where you're like, I've had enough and we need to some start, start some implementing some change. And when I started talking and speaking back on it and saying, you shouldn't say these things, or we shouldn't be casting people in this manner, I got pushback and they were saying, you know, this has been status quo. We've been doing like this for years. Why should we change now? Um, so when I left, I was able to work on Oprah Winfrey Network shows and, you know, with Kami and we were able to work on um, with Buna Murray and I got to see the other side of it. I got to see and cast for black people. And that made me go, oh my God, like this is what I've been missing in my life. I've been casting for an audience that is not something that I usually watch or gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. And then the Black Lives Matter movement really decided to, you know, get really big during that time. And I felt really inspired. And I said, it's time for someone to speak out. Um, so I wrote an open letter, you know, one evening and I was like, let me just post it. If no one sees it, I don't care. At least something, you know, was said. And then all of a sudden, all these news <laughs> articles kept popping up and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what did I just get myself into? Did I do something wrong? Was this bad? Am I going to get blacklisted for this? Like, that's the, the first immediate thought immediately when it comes to any sort of speaking out against the industry. Um, and I was actually got so many 
phone calls and emails from people that, you know, I haven't even spoken to in a long time. And some networks, you know, approached me and said, you know, let's hop on a call. I want to know what we're doing wrong and how do we fix this? Um, so I was, I was happy with the outcome. Obviously they're still having issues to this day. Um, bachelor. Um, I just saw that they're having an issue where there was a cast member that was in blackface. Um, and they didn't even talk about it on the season finale. Um, that literally, I just saw it this morning. So I was like, you know, I don't know how many times people can speak out against this happening and, you know, what they're doing in the casting process and what they're doing, you know, after the casting process is over. But there's clearly an internal issue at that production company and at the network level that, you know, they need to do something about. So fortunately not much has happened <laughs> well at least other people took notice yes. uh, unfortunately sometimes the one that needs to hear it is the last to acknowledge mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you know at least you spoke your truth and some people took notice that that's good and I'm glad that there wasn't negative pushback for you yeah truth because yeah. should never there should never be when someone is speaking from their personal experience and from their their personal POV, like it should not, there should not be pushback because that is your truth. And no, I've, I've had some horror stories from there, which is a conversation that's not on the podcast, but you know. <laughs> I think most women have some of those. <laughs> so, but the thing is, it's like, it was all a learning experience. I'm glad it happened because I was able to learn and I was able to then tell people, here's how we should move forward. Here's how, you know, what we should do in the future to avoid this and how can we fix this? And I know that they did try to hire, well, they did actually hire a black casting director to cast one of the seasons. Um, but, you know, they have an issue where they are constantly putting band-aids on very large wounds um, mm -hmm. when they really need to just go into surgery, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay away from that soapbox as much as I would like <laughs> to get on it and say a few things, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amy, you also worked in the ABC Unscripted. What was the experience working at OWN and coming from like, the holy grail of female voices, Miss Oprah, who I, I still, to this day, walk to my car with my keys laced between my fingers because that episode left such an impression on me as a child when my mother was watching. Um, you know, so what was it like? <laughs> I see you laughing, Jazzy, uh, <laughs> but it is facts. What What was your experience working with a strong black female voice? that has you know trickled down through all departments i mean first of all you just need to give oprah her moment because she is amazing everything that she's done just for yeah. women over yeah. the years um you know and i was working directly with bmp and we were kind of i guess a satellite attachment to own so as much as i wanted to like get in there and you know work real hard uh, i was definitely on the outside but even then you know the joy of having that that stamp you know, on the things that I was doing and her name involved and her network involved. Um, I knew that my responsibility to uphold the quality of the content and to be good representation for just women was super important. I wouldn't say anyone put that pressure on me. I put it on myself um, mm -hmm. to just show up and be present and do the hard work and, you know, and push through it on those rough days. Um, but it was, it was a very amazing learning experience first and foremost. Um, working on Ianla Fix My Life was something that, funny enough, my mom used to read her books when I was about nine, eight or nine years old. I remember reading a book as I got older, you know, and she's made it up there with my Angelo, these big names when it comes to, you know, loving yourself and improvement and self-awareness. And so, you know, it was, it was a healing experience, I think, as a Black woman being in a room with other, you know, POCs or just women who get it. Um, so yes, I, it's, it's a, oh, so much in there. It's, it's, it's heavy, you know, it's heavy, but it's also, um, uh, well, how would I say that? It, it was, I'm super grateful and it, it was a blessing and, you know, I'm just thankful that they gave me a chance and that I stayed on for, for quite some time. Yeah. It was I love what you said in there that no one required you to do it, but you held yourself to like a higher standard. And I think that's where real change happens when everyone 
independently starts holding themselves to a higher standard than the status quo. Mm -hmm. And like that's when real difference starts to happen. And when other people that maybe are not personally affected also speak up for change, hint, hint to any of the men listening, you have an opportunity here to help. Anyway, as two strong female voices for change, how can we all show our support to the BIPOC community of creatives and show our support for change? I would say hire us first off. Um, stop, stop hiring, stop hiring your friends that look like you start hiring people that don't look like you start mm-hmm. hiring people that, you know, have a different perspective than you've ever had in your entire life. If you grew up like for myself, I grew up on Long Island, which is a bit of a bubble. Um, I moved to LA, which is still kind of a bubble, but you're in a bubble where you're learning and meeting a lot more people than I normally would have on Long Island. I want you to, now I'm taking my, you know, accountability and hiring people from Texas. I'm hiring people from, you know, our, our editors from China. Like I'm, I would never know someone like that unless I stepped outside that bubble to do that. And then also watch our content. You know, we're sitting here putting blood, sweat, and tears into these amazing shows, amazing movies. And I think that's how other communities are going to learn. I know for myself, working on Lizzo's show, I learned so much about the plus size community. I didn't know a lot about the plus size community because I wasn't a part of it. And now I'm fully educated and now I can bring that to another show. And I think we all have a responsibility to learn and teach. And that's what, that's what I'm hoping for in this community, in this world. <laughs> Amy, do you have anything to add? You know, I think it's, you know, Los Angeles especially, but I think the entertainment industry as a whole is cliquish and it's intersectional cliquishness, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. In the sense of it being income and, you know, skin color, race, background, ethnicity, whatever it is. And people tend to stick to their quadrant, Um, you know, step outside the box, go to events that are geared towards women or black people or Asians or whatever, they're not going to tell you not to show up because you're doing the right thing. Um, and if you know that this person or this role that you're creating or whatever's going on, that, that this is a better position for a POC, do it, you know? And also if it's not a good position for a POC, don't force them into that role. I think that we need to start paying attention to what makes sense and stop trying to just make up for something or try to fix things or, or force things that don't make sense. Um, I think people need to listen more and stop talking so much. Um, but on top of that, stop making assumptions of things and situations. Like Jazzy said, hire us because we're going to hire the right people. If Telemundo called us tomorrow, we're not going to be like, hola. You know, we're going to be like, let me hire a Hispanic team. That's insane, right? Like, and even even though I have, uh, my family is from Honduras, I am not, I'm American as I don't know what. I'm not the responsible person for that. What, are you kidding me? So it's like, just do what's right do what makes sense in the moment and let's just not do things out of emotion or because we feel bad just do the right thing absolutely and like jumping off of that I think when people see solstice they go oh two people of color amazing let me just give them a show that's about people of color sometimes it's not going to work for us like you know if they give us a show that's all about Asian men we're that's not something that we should be casting I think that should go to a you know a casting director that is a part of that space Mm. um and you know but we were given shows that is black content and that makes sense for us because that's who we are that's what we think we have the right to speak on um so I think just like Kami said don't make assumptions just because we're people of color that we should be doing this specific content but yeah. we do know the right people to hire too. So also give us a show. We'll hire the right people. Yes. Because I don't know if there is an Asian casting company and I don't know if there is a Southeast Asian casting company. So it's like, but we do know the people and it's okay right. to come to us to say, Hey, we don't know. Can mm-hmm. you help us? Yeah. And we're more than happy to do that. Cause we, we, we are having these conversations and we even had a meeting about, um, you know, uh, trans individuals and, you know, how to approach the situation. How can we be more sensitive from a POC 
homosexual man in, in the in the industry. And it's like, we, we will have these hard conversations so that we can all kind of be in the room and talk about it together instead of being like, oh, we know it all or hands off, we're not dealing with this at all. No, it's a conversation that needs to be had by all of us. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think there there's such value in acknowledging what you do not know and being okay to listen and not have an ego about needing to learn something as an adult. Like the best thing you can do is know what you do not know and then find the people that do and learn from them. But I loved what um, Tyler Perry was talking about. I believe it was at TIFF, but it may have been at Venice. Um, But at a recent film festival, he was talking about like, it's not just a flood of opportunities. It's a flood of opportunities to the right individuals. Like you still have to do your research. You still have to put the right people in those positions. It's not just checking a demographic box on your paperwork to say, I did something. Like it's still sourcing the right talent for those opportunities. And that's what continues those opportunities to happen and makes everyone collectively see those people belong in those positions. So. Oh, totally. You know what I would love to see? I mean, we've had the ability, well, we worked on one show where there was an entire room where it was all Black females. I have never had that in my life until recently. And I remember when we hopped on that Zoom, me and King were like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like, I've never seen this before. Um, But, you know, I, I know myself and same with Kami have been in so many rooms with networks and production companies and we were the only people of color and then they're just looking at us like oh so we have this black person that is that applied for the show they're x y and z i don't think they're right for this reason but what's your what do you think and like kind of stare at us and expect us to be like the voice for everything black people or the voice for everything people of color and i know i was just like you know what can an easy fix for all of this is to start inviting those types of people in your room. You should have more people of color and at the network level, at executive levels. So you don't have to constantly rely on people to be basically the spokespeople for all. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love like your face lit up talking about working on Lizzo's show. And I think that there is such a joy that has been infused into the industry with all of these new voices getting their chance to share what they love and what makes them uniquely them and what makes their community of creatives pop and click. And I think that's so cool. And I think you can see that in the boom of streaming. Quite frankly, sometimes it is overwhelming how much there is to keep up with, but there's such a joy that you can see through. Um, which, I mean, I, I love to see that Lizzo like dethroned some folks this year at the Emmys. I was like, it's about time. It's about it's time. About damn time. It's a quote with about damn time. Oh my gosh. I could easily shape an entire episode around your advocacy, but I do I do want to hear your insight on casting as well. Uh, for commercials, um, what two pieces of advice or materials um, would you all recommend for actors for their commercial casting sites? Ooh, Kami, you want to take this one first or you want me to take it? Yeah, no, I mean, um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to advice and casting and booking, right? Because less less of submitting, more so getting the jobs is start yeah. submitting to things that you don't think you're the right person for. Um, It sounds insane. And if we, we jazzy and I talk about this often because we're like, I don't know, but we're going to take a chance and we're going to submit this person and they get the role. And we're sitting here like, even the clients like this, this didn't make sense to us in before, but oh my God, that makes so much sense now. Mm-hmm. And because there is so much content, there's so many things to submit to that you might as well do it all. Cause what do you have to lose? Cause at least, you know, the odds are in your favor of getting a job. Um, and you know, especially, and of course we're going to lean heavy on this again and being a POC, there are, there's a lot of money going into marketing, um, and representation, if be it, uh, Triller, um, TikTok, uh, Target, has a massive, you know, black initiative kind of department where they do everything from clothing to makeup to all this kind of stuff, change makers within the companies. Um, So yeah, kind of just be uncomfortable for a second, put yourself out there with everything because you'll never know what sea of return you'll get. And all you need is that one good thing, whatever it may be. And that takes, I've seen so many people. I remember when I first met 
Zendaya when she was a little girl. I remember when I met Yar Shahidi when she was like nine or 10. I mean, just cute little babies. And, you know, they, 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 they were working as children, as we all know, and, and they just got their one good role and it took off. So do the weird things, do the things that are like, I'm not really into this project, you know, just, just do it all because you just never know what will be your big break. Yep. Always show up on time and always submit and read. <laughs> it's my biggest thing. <laughs> you would think that goes without saying as actors, we have to read the lines and memorize them. Yes. But it's been really eye-opening in the last two years specifically, how challenged we are when it comes to reading. <laughs> it's my, my like biggest pet peeve is like, I will, in the casting, I am so clear, like so, so clear. And then I will get the complete opposite. And I'm like, you know, like, and especially the worst part about it is like, they're good too. And I'm like, oh my God, now you're going to have to redo yourself, Dave. I am so sorry. But like, if you read the first time, we wouldn't be in this position, but just read. That's like the biggest thing for me, like biggest advice. But I, I actually really enjoy doing self tapes. I don't know how actors feel because you're coming from that side. How do you feel about at, like doing self tapes? Personally, I really love it. Um, but like I do miss I do miss that connection I do miss because like my big thing whenever I would go in an audition was you know I was like you know what at least I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a couple jokes hopefully they're gonna be like at least she was funny she may not be right for this like the day that I work as a detective pigs will probably be flying outdoors but (laughs) I, you know, I'm going to throw my, my hat in the ring. We're going to see what happens. But I always felt like I was going to at least, you know, maybe leave people a little bit happier. I always love meeting people, but I did not enjoy as a platinum blonde white woman. I did not enjoy sitting with all of the other women auditioning to play mistress number two. Um, now I will say this. I have always worked as a Southeast local hire because I grew up in the Southeast. So since I moved to Los Angeles, so I did not crash course into self-tapes with COVID. I had been doing it for over 10 years. Um, But I will say that my career actually really changed in COVID. I started booking a lot Mm -hmm. more because I think they were able to see more people because of self-tapes. And I have found through, you know, emailing or leaving notes in the actor's access, you know, I still feel like I'm communicating and getting my point across. And I, I know it's like a faux pas, but like, I do still give like a kind of quirky slate. And I do try to feel like it's still me. And it's not just like robot. Um, But yeah, I I think I miss the community, but I also I don't miss the drive and parking. And Mm -hmm. just I think actors, they're in a better headspace to do their work. Um, it breaks my heart when I hear actors that are bitter about oh, auditions yeah. Yeah. and that because I'm extremely involved in SAG after and there's a lot of movement and conversation right now about what is being asked in self-tapes and turnaround time and all of those kind of rules and um, it breaks my heart that there's so many people that are discouraged by opportunities because it's I understand if y'all are asking for auditions you're trying to help us get a job we should never be discouraged by opportunity, but you know, sometimes there is that burnout. But I find it really interesting because I think with the self-tape era is what <laughs> I'm going to call it, is that now so many more actors have the ability to audition from a lot more parts than they have previously. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there is, uh, there was times where I was, you know, at one studio and then, you know, I know an actor has to be across town in like the next hour. So I feel bad, like trying to rush to get them in yeah. and then so they can make their next audition. But now these people can audition for like 40 things in one week or more than that. Um, so I don't, I don't I'm, I understand like both sides of it. I, I yeah. understand the community. I know myself too. Like I sometimes miss being in, in the room and actually talking to actors face, face to face, but yeah. I love just sitting in the, in my pajamas and watching some self tapes. <laughs> yes. Like jeans. What is that anymore? Like I will throw those on for a full body slate. And I'm like, freedom. Uh, you know, it's, you know, when you actually have to go out in the world, you're like, oh Lord, this is what it was like back in 2019. Um, (laughs) But to that point, yeah, just the freedom for us to be able to do our 
job, our stability job, and not trying to take off work and find some coverage or this or that. There's so many stressors that have been removed by the flexibility of having just turning your tape by X time. Uh-huh. Not this is your 15 minute window in an entire week. And I, I think that that's a huge benefit, but yeah. I guess to each its own. Uh, and I definitely, I do see the frustration come through casting directors slate notes when it is like, I mean, sometimes it is like, could that font be bigger? And like so many color choices and underline and all bold. And I'm like, who hurt you? Can I give you a, <laughs> so there, there a lot of people have heard us. Yes. And it's, I, and I think sometimes people just like glass over even more and I'm just like, oh no, this is so bad. This is, they're going to stop just like sending out self-tape auditions. But yeah, it, I, I can't imagine from you all's perspective, from my actor friends, I love them and I, I have an amazing community, but from talking to some other actors, I'm like, I don't know how y'all do it. Cause it's like hurting wild raccoons. Like, <laughs> and like being like, you know what, sit here. And, and look to the left and there's yes. no chance it's happening but you all <laughs> show up every day with the commitment of like maybe today <laughs> today the records are gonna listen a bunch of feral cats for sure but definitely <laughs> um, that's definitely the vibe um but you know i my my heart and my hat goes out to you guys because on the other end it's like there's so much content. There's so much stuff out here. Why aren't you working? And you know, what is the reason? There's a reason. There's maybe there's something going on. Why? There's so much content and so much opportunity today. Every actor should be working. And that's not right, um, because it gets overwhelming. You can't submit a hundred things and, and the deadline's five o'clock on Wednesday and it's a Monday. Who has the time? It's like Jesus Christ. So like on the flip side, my heart does go out to you guys when we do have empathy and we do understand that like everyone's everyone's just trying to figure it out and everyone is struggling and everyone's trying to find their footing. And, you know, we we're not, we'll never be the same after the pandemic. We'll never be the same after COVID. So we're going to have to adjust and adapt to each and every one, each and every one of us. Um, but also be a little more empathetic and understanding and talk to people. Yeah. You know, if something's going on, just say, you know what, I'm having a real part of my friend's shitty day and I'm struggling getting this tape in can I just have until tomorrow afternoon? You'd be surprised who might be on the other end being like, you know what, I get it because I'm having a bad day too. So let's just do it tomorrow. (laughs) So talk to people. That's all I'm saying is like, I know everyone's so scared of saying like Jazzy said, even with the Bachelor and Bachelorette Mm -hmm. franchise and pending that, you're afraid of saying the thing or doing the thing wrong because someone's going to attack you. It's a quick attack kind of social media day and age that we live in. So you just want to be careful, but it's okay to have the conversations and it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to have a bad day we're human so and there's a huge difference between sharing like actually being vulnerable and sharing and asking for compassion and complaining and we as actors have to uh learn to differentiate those two but we're getting there (laughs) i can speak collectively for us we're working on it (laughs) i do want to just give you a little update we're working on it um I love that you brought up social media because that was something I wanted to talk about is from casting's perspective, how much do you see, I think we've seen a, a wave away from influencer numbers or social media stars getting pulled onto projects because surprise, surprise, they're not actors that wasn't working. Um, but sorry, that was my bitterness as an actor was coming up. Sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> I am curious from casting's perspective, how you are seeing social media influence casting or how that is coming from production or executives and producers, if that's still like something they're like, well, this person has a lot of numbers, let's try to get them. Or if it's just more of a, just kind of an asshole check of like, hey, they're not spouting off and acting crazy, right? Like, let's just check before we put them on a set. I'm curious from your, your side of things. It's different on both sides. There's Mm -hmm. the unscripted side and then there's, you know, the scripted side. The unscripted side is very much like we prefer it's not an influencer unless they specifically ask for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they use it to do social media checks. Um, Mm -hmm. I think everyone knows, especially these days, that we, we check things before we put someone on TV, which is very smart. We don't want 
you know, someone that's spouting out racist stuff or someone that's spouting out very hateful, angry words on their social media to be put on a very large platform. Um, so that's the unscripted side. The scripted side, it depends because we just worked on a project where they were asking for people with large followings. Um, and But then they realized the space that we were specifically working in it didn't exist because they did not do their research. Um, and they were, we had to basically bring them back down to earth and say, listen, you know, what you're asking for doesn't exist, but we can work with a smaller amount of number when it comes to influencers. Um, so it really depends really on the project. Um, but I'm starting to see, at least on the commercial side, no one's like, we really want this influencer from TikTok unless it made sense. Like, I think there was like a Target ad where I saw, I think his name is Dante Colley. I think is how he pronounced his name. He's like the dancer dude. Dante Colley, yeah. Dante Colley, yeah. Okay. Um, I saw him on like a commercial, but the, you know, that was like a specific ask. That's when you usually see oh, okay. it. So, that's so I mean, you know, you made me think Jazzy too. When it comes to, you know, like she said, these Target ads, a lot of people I've noticed, and please correct me if I'm wrong, are utilizing social media to to propel whatever their true passion is. You know, I've talked to, we, we're, we're almost finished with this tech-based show. And I've noticed that, you know, these individuals, they're, they're in this tech space and they're doing this thing, but they're like, oh, but I'm also a, a fashion designer. Oh, but I'm also this. And, and they're like, I just do this because it pays the bills, but this is really what I love to do. So we're, as we kind of find these people and talk to them more, we're learning that maybe they are actors, you know, maybe they are the professional singer that we need for A, B, and C thing or whatever's going on. So I think it's also really figuring out who these people are, but reminding everyone who utilizes social media to put that out there, be really clear. Like, yes, yes. I want to make sure my content's on brand. I want to make sure that my page makes sense, but it is okay to talk about other things so that we know, oh my God, well, you know, Sarah, blah, blah, blah is a great TikTok dancer, but she also comes from a family of, I don't know, weavers, basket weavers. And then some like history thing there. And we're like, oh, we she'd be great for this docu-series. Or I even interviewed a young lady some years ago and we were talking about, um, it was a singing show and she was also a forensic scientist. And I was, and you know, you never know what projects may come up later. And you're like, oh my God, we need a forensic scientist for this show. You know how to put yourself out there. You're trained on the stage. So I think it's kind of difficult because I don't want to insult any actor of any kind that this is your love and your passion and you've put yourself out there for this. But then it's it's such a sticky situation for us because we're like, but just because so-and-so has uh, 800,000 followers on Instagram and you think they're just an influencer, they really are an actor too. So it's hard. It really is hard, yeah. Just yeah. put it in your bio, honestly. If you're an actor, put it in your bio. Like, mm -hmm. I'm fine with it. That helps me because then I'm like, great, I know. I can put you on, you know, yeah. this list. But a lot of people are just like, they don't put anything in their bio or they'll put an emoji. And I'm like, okay, but who are you? Like, just sum yourself up in this you bio. Are the unicorn emoji. What do you mean? Why are you, what, what why is, are you asking questions? They're what does that mean? explaining themselves. What is that cherry icon for? Okay, Bob, <laughs> what do you think that's for? Is and it an innuendo? Fire, you know, are they an arsonist? Are they burning people? What's going on? But like, they clearly think they're sharing. I don't know. <laughs> we don't really <laughs> compare it to dating profiles and i'm just like Ooh. oh that's like i'm triggered i don't want to talk about it oh god um but uh, one last thing too i just thought about this actors please utilize social media more we're all we're all using social media we find a lot of our unscripted talent from social media so get the followers, do the dumb dances. And I shouldn't say dumb dances because those dances are actually really amazing and they're getting people very far. Yes. But I know sometimes we put in our head that, oh, I'm, I'm, this isn't my thing or this isn't, it's okay to be silly, put yourself out there and utilize social media a lot more. You know, yeah. we're not all better than anything. We have to use social media to get jobs. So everyone should be doing the same thing. Yeah. Excellent segue. It's like you read my notes. Actors are not the only ones that are auditioning for jobs. Casting is also consistently, y'all may be calling it meetings, but you're consistently going up for opportunities and putting yourself out there. And I am sure 
the same as directors and writers and everything else, there's opportunities where you put yourself out there, do these huge pitches and don't get the job. So I'm curious how you all as owning your own company, how you like to present yourself for opportunities. Like, can you walk us through a little bit of that process? Ooh, good. And that's a good, that's a good question. Jesse, you want me to go or you want yeah, to go? You could go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so when we, when we kind of kicked this off, um, we were kind of like, what next? Um, and so we're like, how do we get to work? So, you know, we were talking and I was like, what about cold emails? It seems stupid, but everything's available online. Let's just find these contacts who's working here. And we created like some beautiful mind kind of web on the computer. And then we dove in. And, you know, we interviewed with a lot of people and we understand some people don't have projects or we're not the right fit because we preach often that like, don't give us a job that we're not the right people for. Um, So when we get in these rooms and we have these meetings, it's nice to just connect and we follow up. You know, we check in, we keep them updated. If they don't ask for it, we're going to tell you what's going on at Solstice. We're going to let you know that we got this big show. We're going to announce Jazzy's Emmy nomination because, you know, if we're not on the radar, you're going to forget about us, but you, you're not, that's what you're not going to do. You're not going to forget about us because we follow up. So, um, so definitely, um, you know, it's freelance as, as with many things are in the entertainment and we, it's, it takes a lot of hard work and owning a company, we have to put 10 times more energy into it. Um, but we're okay with the rejection. There will be another opportunity. There's a lot of content. There's no reason why we can't find something eventually. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the two of us, when we enter a meeting, um, we play off each other very well because we've known each other for a long time. So that also helps as it doesn't feel like it's just like two business partners, like coming to join a meeting. Um, it's like two friends, like just having a, a little chat with them and they're like, oh, okay. And they, and they feel, they feel that energy and they go, you know what? We need to hire Solstice because yeah. the two of them just give off that great vibe. And honestly, <laughs> there have been conversations where people literally said from large networks, we love you guys. You guys are a good time. We're going to hire you. <laughs> Literally, literally. Yep. Do good work. Be good people. It will happen. That's it. That's it. And be kind to everybody. I've had people, my PAs, some, I have two PAs that are VPs at CBS and NBC right now as we speak. And I, of course, applaud them for their hard work and getting in there. But we, just a reminder to, you never know, tomorrow could be the CEO and they could be your assistant or it could be the other way around. I could be working for one of them one day. So be kind to everyone that you meet. The golden rule applies all of the time because people will always remember the way you make them feel. And that's super important. So, so true. So true. What advice would you give young actors just getting their footing in the commercial space? And this can be teenagers that, you know, have a parent that's helping craft um, their materials, or this can be a post high school, post college person that is, there's this disconnect that commercials are like its own thing. And like, I have heard from so many theatrical actors, they're like, oh, I'm just getting into commercials. And I agree, it's a different beast, but I'm curious from your side, what advice you would give for someone that's just getting their footing in the commercial space? I would say- It has a basic understanding of acting. Yes, um, have updated headshots with multiple looks. I mean, I know this sounds like so basic, like bottom, bottom, but like there are so many people that are new to the industry and they have a headshot and I'm like, oh my gosh, this look is great this is what client wants. Can you do this? And they go, actually, this was my hair color six years ago. I now have red hair. So I'm just like, you know, so it's, it's those things is like the basic have updated headshots. If you like to change your hair color a lot, have all of those. So we know, uh, you know, and like, or if you like to do wigs, change out show the wigs change and especially black women, make sure you have something with your natural hair because I always push to have, you know, black women show their natural hair on a commercial rather than just showing, you know, a wig. Um, And the best way for me to stand by that and stand behind them is to actually show a picture of that and be like, hey, this is what they're going to look like on this commercial. Um, So that alone for me is like my biggest advice. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, you brought up kids and teenagers, so I'll go that route. Growing up with an entertainment parent, I bring this up again because, of course, you automatically do it yourself. 
Um, so, you know, I had a Coogan account when I was four or five, did some modeling and all that kind of stuff. So my thing is it's okay to be a kid too. And sometimes they want to see that silliness and they want to see you be a kid. You don't have to be a, a grown up little person. Um, and that, that lack of self-awareness and that curiosity with the world that can last years, if you allow it to happen, can get you more work. And I think the parents need to hear that too, is let your kid be a kid. Um, if they, you know, if they're not into it that day, then they're not going to give it their all and don't have them put on a brave face because we're going to see that they're kids. You can see right through it. So let, let, let children be children. You'd be surprised how much farther they'll go if they can just be themselves. Um, and then for college age kids, you know, I remember what it's like to be in college, juggling all those things and still being lost. And so make sure you hold a little bit of self, a little bit of yourself in those moments when you're trying out for things or auditioning or whatever's going on, especially in the commercial world um, of, of letting yourself kind of be free a little bit and, and also work on multitasking because that's super important. Um, but, you know, when it, when it comes to being, you know, the youth or in, even under the age of 21 in the States, you lose a little bit of that. And we all have to grow up a little bit faster in the entertainment world. So still just be a kid and enjoy, but also keep up with those headshots because you change by the month sometimes. So make sure that we don't look like a 12 year old. We're actually 19 and we look 19 today. Okay, let's do that. Let's do. Yes. Or I can assume that it is also hard when it's 18 to look younger because of like time constraints on set or what have you. Like if you are in that 18 to play younger category, be sure it truly is what you look like and not in your head what you look like to play <laughs> under 18. That far. <laughs> it, can't, it can't be looking like you've been hitting two packs a day and living your best club in life. Uh, but yet, nah, I'm playing 16. <laughs> no. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. That was so funny. Oh, <laughs> I, I, it just brings me back to the day where um, this this man auditioned for me, um, and he was a 50 year old claiming that he was in his 30s. Kami, his face right now says, "Yeah." Sorry, my face is just like, "Is it, <laughs> sir, sir?" <laughs> Sir. And it was like a very hard requirement for the show that like you had to be in your late 20s, early 30s. But this man auditioned and listen, he fooled me. He fooled me on those photos and oh. I zoomed him. And then I realized this man is not in his 30s. <laughs> be like, sir, tell me about the good old days. Yeah, right. What was like in your day, sir? <laughs> Going back to what you were saying, Jazzy, about natural hair headshots. I love that. Um, we actually have uh, Michelle Hurd coming on the show later who helped move the Crown Act through. And I'm curious, are you seeing more acceptance of that from production now and also seeing the right people in the makeup trailers to support those women being able to be comfortable on set? A hundred percent, I'm starting to see it. Uh, when I first started in this industry, I had a meeting with one of my superiors and they felt really uncomfortable asking, but they said, hi, I know you have this interview with this black woman later. Can you tell her to straighten her hair before the interview? And I remember that moment being such like a big defining moment in my career because I was like, I never want to have this conversation again with any sort of black female. Yeah. No one should be told to change their hair for an audition unless it's specifically asked like to throw on a wig. Like it's a part of like a character. Right. Um, and I was like, absolutely not. Like I'm not having this conversation with this woman. I think her hair is fine. And then they got, they ended up making the phone call themselves and, and told them to do it. And they showed up with a straight hair in that audition. Um, so since then, it has definitely been a huge transition. I am seeing women with locks on TV. I am seeing women with just their 4C hair out, living their best lives. Okay. I am, there is still, I would say, there is still a big push for looser curls still in the community rather than tighter curls and those. Um, but I'm starting to see the transition a little bit more. But right now I'm still seeing a lot more of that. But it's a huge difference. Um, I felt like all women that were black had weaves or chemically mm -hmm. straight hair for so long. And it's so nice to have them rock their, their curly froze, um, which is who they really are. And that's what 
everyone wants to see on TV. Like I want to see someone that looks like me. I don't want to see someone that I have to think that I need to look like. Um, so I definitely see a push as for the makeup trailers. Yes. And I think it's honestly because the actors are holding production accountable. They're saying, listen, I'm fine with doing this, but I need to have my makeup artist. I need to have my, you know, hairstylist on there because other, I know that they cannot do my hair. And I am so proud of actors pushing for that because that is what's changing this community. Yeah, I I only know from the actor side of things and then with SAG-AFTRA and what they are also holding productions accountable because all that actors are doing, they should never be required to be doing their own hair and makeup or undoing to redo their hair and makeup as fast as things are moving and as much as they're being asked I I also like I I had such a visceral reaction when you mentioned about them wanting her to come in with straightened hair because as a white woman I would I've never been asked to come with my hair in a ponytail or come with my hair I mean my hair is naturally very straight or like come with it curled it's always been my preference when I present myself for an audition and it should be no different regardless of who you are but yep thank you thank you for saying that by the way actually just want to applaud you for that for saying that um because you know you recognize as 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 a non-poc about the unfairness and the imbalance when it comes to that um and piggybacking something off of you what you said earlier jazzy about the straightened hair thing if you would accommodate a handicapped individual if you would accommodate someone with a disability of any sort and not saying black hair is a disability. I'm saying that it is what it is. You have to conform. If you need yep. one separate professional who's used to doing black hair and makeup, you got to pay if you want to make sure that we are feel comfortable. Or you just hire more POCs so that you have somebody able to do more hair and you have to hire, you know what I mean? So it's just like, be more aware, self-awareness, but also ask, put yourself in these people's shoes. If you wouldn't want to hear that, why would you ask them? You know, if, if, if it's uncomfortable to see the way that my hair grows out of my head when I wake up, then you need to check yourself because that's a situation that has nothing to do with me. I woke up like this, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But like, you know what I mean? So it's like, if, if that's not okay for you, then you're not going to get the authentic version of myself and that's not going to be fun for anybody. So yeah, we are a hundred percent behind the natural hair look and we're all just trying to figure it out, but still just shave your head, be you you know, where are your braids be you? I mean, my mom missed out on so much work earlier on in the eighties and nineties because she refused to conform. She refused to take out her twists and her locks and things like that, because she's still, you're talented. That's what matters. And people are going to fall in love with all of you, not your straight hair and your good acting. That's crap. So it's like, let's not do that. So yes, Jazzy, you hit the nail on the head, but I'm just piggybacking off of everybody. Do better y'all do better. No one should have to change who they are to make other people comfortable. That says all about the people that are wanting things this imaginary alternate universe way. That says so much about them. Um, I'm really fortunate to be in a very diverse acting class. And I have always loved that it was very much like a theater kind of program because regardless of age or gender or race and the sides that we worked on, people were just actors. And there was this acceptance and that I think is where we we ultimately need to get. I think we're far ways off, but you're exactly right. You know, I also feel like from COVID, it is taught productions. If you wanna make things, you had to do all these COVID tests. If you wanna make authentic stories, you have to do you have to hire the people that make authentic stories and I I I both loved and I I think there's still a part for me that I'm still trying to understand because like I remember one time um Viola Davis in How to Get Away with Murder took off her wig and showed her natural hair and I personally I adore Viola Davis she can do no wrong in my mind same but but (laughs) as just myself I I was both excited to see that it was so celebrated and it it warranted articles but also very confused as to why that that was so groundbreaking on abc um 
and and it, I, I I sometimes try to put myself as best I can in in a person of color's shoes to understand like would I feel good that that's being noted or is that almost sad that it's been and I I have such mixed feelings and I'm I'm sure you all are walking through all of that times a hundred. That's a really good thought. I I'm sorry, my brain just went wow. I didn't even you know kind of self reflect that way and. Uh, to kind of clarify what Jazzy was saying earlier, 4C is, you know, the, it's actually very delicate hair. It's very delicate, coily, thick, coarse hair. Um, And because kids were kicked out of school for wearing that, kids have lost scholarships because they have dreadlocks. There was a story of a little girl, I'm not sure she's in gymnastics or dance, and she, her, her whole team was taking her hair out because they wanted to disqualify this little girl who was very talented from participating in her whole team of a bunch of a sea of very various colors, but white girls were in there helping her take her hair down. And that was, I commended them, but that was heartbreaking because she had to change to be able to do a competition that she'd been working her butt off for. So yes, it sucks to be like Viola Davis, Davis took off her wig and this is the world's falling to her knee, falling to their knees. But on the other side, it's just like, girls are taking off a wig and wearing her hair. She's tired. You know what I mean? Like, can the cis be tired today? So it's like, I, I and, and wigs are itchy, but that goes beyond the point. <laughs> Come on. Uh, it gets hot. in like, real hot. They're hot. Wig I'm also championing for more bonnets on TV. Okay. <laughs> Bonnet is a lovely silk cap that anybody can wear, and we all benefit from no matter what type of hair you got on because dry hair annoys all of us. All of us. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you just throw in some humor and like this very this very heavy real space that was no. <laughs> you have to You're otherwise like, I can't otherwise just gonna crying. cry all the time yeah no definitely like, more bonnets on television <laughs> yeah more bonnets and the wigs are itchy just might write that down yes <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, You two have quickly become some of my favorite people. Y'all are awesome. You are absolute rock stars. And I see why that when people get to meet you, they're like, we want to work with you. Like Mm. you you have such a a passion and a warmth and a fire. And it's, it's not a preaching way. It is, let me help you. Like, if you'll listen, I'll share and I will talk to where you're at and that we need more of that in the industry. All right, we end every episode with the same question. Why is one thing you would go back and tell your younger self? You know, I questioned a lot of the things that I did when I was younger and I would still be uncomfortable and do it anyway. Um, and I'm losing that as I get older because, you know, there's more to lose when you take chances. So if I had to go back to tell my younger self anything, it would be keep doing the hard things, kid. You're going you're gonna to be okay. I think that's what it is. Just keep doing the uncomfortable things and keep putting yourself out there. I wouldn't have made it anywhere, anywhere I was today if I didn't do the hard stuff and make myself uncomfortable. So to little Kami, you're a badass little girl. Keep going because you're doing it. Aw. Um, I would say to little Jazzy that um, your hair is beautiful. I had a huge problem with self-love when it came to my hair because I was in a dance community and we always had to have our hair a certain way and I always was I was wearing weaves by the time I was like 10 years old um which is nuts to like you think about it um it's insane um so and it wasn't until maybe like four years ago I was just like listen natural hair is beautiful it's something that I absolutely love and now I have locks which is not something that I ever saw myself ever having when I was that young um so if I can tell my younger self that like natural hair is beautiful and you're gonna come around to it like just give yourself some time um I think I would have been in a much better headspace back then than I am but I made it there now so it's okay you're doing great sweetie you're doing great (laughs) we love it you're doing great. Oh, those are so good. And I just want to say again, thank you so much for entrusting me and sharing you all stories and insight and experiences so honestly and vulnerably with our creative community so we can all learn from it and do better. It's really amazing when people talk to where someone's at to help them and, and show there's not 
an anger behind wanting change. It's just like, hey, if you'll listen, like I'll talk to you. And that that's that's really amazing. So thank you all. That was Aww. so sweet. Well, we had a, a lovely time being here and just thank you for giving us the space to be ourselves. Um, as just women, we, we you know, had the powwows and the kikis and the hangouts are so important. So thank you for showing up and being present and asking the right questions as well. Yes, thank you. We had such a blast. <laughs> we did. It was so much fun. We love it here. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. And to my fabulous guests today, the women of Solstice Casting, Jazzy and Kami. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for being the best part of our creative community here at What's My Frame. If you're not already, please hop over and join us on Instagram at What's My Frame. I'm Laura Linda Bradley, and we'll see you next week.